Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, joined today by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer. Dalton, how you doing, man? Parrish, man, I'm all right. I'm a, I'm a little sick this week, so I'm not complaining that State's going to be on the road. Uh, I got me a little, I think I just just a cold or something like that, you know, just some sinuses in my, my throat a little bit. But uh, um, I'm glad they're on the road. I don't think they'd appreciate me up in the press box sniffling all night. Well, I hear you, man. You get your Flonase out. You got your Flonase going once a day or every 12 hours. I guess you can take that stuff twice a day. It's pretty good. Yeah, I need I need to get some of that. Yep. Uh, hey, folks, before we get deeper into the podcast, we're going to talk some baseball in the program today. Getting kind of close to uh, regional host sites and national seeds being uh, being announced. We're going to uh, look at what Take a look at what that's going to be like. Uh, we'll talk some baseball uh, in other ways as well. We would like to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission, for coming along for the ride. Registration continues for summer day camp. You can register online at OxfordParkCommission.com or by stopping by the Coach Howell Activity Center. Camp serves ages 5 to 13, cost just $300 per camper per session. Sessions run June 1 to 25 and July 5 to 30. Drop-off each day begins at 7.30, pickup is 5.30. Games, arts and crafts, swimming, and outdoor activities are some of the campers, some of the activities campers will take part in. Field trips too, Dalton. Field trips, man, it, uh, that, that sounds like fun. I know uh, we had uh, John Davis on yesterday talking about that and one of them is the Memphis Zoo. Uh, the Memphis Zoo, man, is like I, th- I thought it was a it was a very clean experience. I really enjoyed that when we were when the kids were zoo age. You ever make it up there on a field trip? Yeah, and I've never been to Memphis Zoo. Um, I think the best zoo that I've been to um, is the the New Orleans Zoo. I think uh, me and Jillian went uh, a few years ago, probably uh, four or five years ago, and it, it was a good little zoo down there, but. Uh, I've never been to the Memphis one. Well, I'll tell you what, um, the New Orleans Zoo, that was almost like a home game for me, but I haven't been there in years. You know, I hadn't thought about uh, about the zoo there uh, at Autobahn Park, I believe, if, if I'm correct. Again, uh, that was years ago, but I do remember you could ride the elephant there at the New Orleans Zoo. Did y'all ride the elephant? May not be able to ride the elephant, man. In, in, uh, in no, we did not. <laughs> Hey, folks, OPC is also looking for lifeguards for the city pool. The season starts Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification. If you have questions, contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at J-A-M-I-E at OxfordParkCommission.com or just apply online at OxfordMS.net. Uh, Dalton, uh, the Bulldogs coming off a sweep, the Rebels coming off a sweep as well uh, against South Carolina, but stayed against Texas A&M. I'm curious to know uh, your thoughts uh, on that series, but Texas A&M in particular. Now, they've won only five conference games. Uh, Ole Miss is at College Station this weekend. Last chance for uh, teams who would like to host a regional teams who are in the mix for a super regional last chance coming up for them to affect their resume. 
And I know State swept uh, A&M, but it looked like they had to fight pretty hard to get there with a couple of one-run wins. Uh, what was your takeaway from the series? Yeah, it was a, it was a very tough sweep. It wasn't uh, uh, wasn't as, as easy as the other ones they've had this early in the uh, SEC season. Texas a and is not bad. You know, they only have five conference wins, but, you know, they, they – they beat one from – I think they took one from Tennessee. They took one from uh, Arkansas. They they beat Texas. You know, those are top five teams right there. And they they kind of remind me a lot of Mississippi State. You know, the pitching is not near as good. Um, and the bullpen is – they got a lot of lefties in the bullpen, so I don't know how Ole Miss does against lefties, but they threw lefty after lefty after lefty against State this weekend. Um, but their starting pitchers are pretty good. Their defense is amazing. They're probably one of the best defensive teams I've seen all year. And then the top three in their order are really, really, really good hitters. But the bottom six, kind of like State, there's a real drop-off after that. Um, and they're just they're just pretty good. I mean, uh, this, they led State, I think it was 7-3 to to in the, uh, the game one, late in the game, and State scored uh, – three runs in the seventh and scored one in the bottom of the ninth. And uh, then of course walked it off in the 12th inning. Um, they don't have the depth that, that probably state or Ole Miss have on the, the pitching, uh, pitching staff, you know, Ole Miss, I know has had a better weekend in the bullpen, but I know when they were in the 12th inning on a Friday night, they were warming up their Saturday starter to throw uh Friday night in the 12th inning. So I don't know if that's a depth issue or what, but, um, they're pretty good, but I would think uh, if Ole Miss plays the way they did this past weekend and pitches the way and just and, and just is, is looking that good again, then it should be a sweep for them as well. I would I would imagine. Well, that might be the big question there, the the if factor, um, because the Rebels have uh, have shown an ability to uh, to be high or to be low, but you know, at the same time, you have to factor in injuries with this group. You have to mention that. Uh, they were not the same team early in SEC play that they were when they started off the weekend in Texas with three wins over teams that are now contending for regional host and, and national seed against uh, Texas, Texas Tech and TCU. Uh, injuries have, uh, have had an impact. Uh, there, were there have been times this season that uh, injuries aside, Ole Miss could have played better, that the hitting – with uh, runners on base uh, for a time was problematic, not so much during the South Carolina series. They, they did manage to come up with uh, clutch at bats more often. But for a team that uh, I think still leads the SEC in hitting, uh, certainly has hit well in, in conference play, uh, the not hitting with runners on base there for a stretch uh, really was costly. And you can talk about uh, this Ole Miss offense, and they do hit well, but the fact remains that um, before they won the series against South Carolina, before they swept, uh, they had gone more than a month uh, between SEC series wins. And that threatened to take them out of, uh, of goals. That threatened to take them out of the regional host discussion. Uh, so the South Carolina series was uh, obviously uh, big for Ole Miss. And now they, have uh, one more chance, uh, all teams really, to affect their their resume. Now, we were talking about this uh, off-air, Dalton. I think you've read something that's a little more current than, uh, than what I was seeing, but the gist of this is uh, the NCAA, because of uh, 
a, a COVID-19 pivot here, uh, is going to announce regional host uh, teams. Uh, and from those teams, we'll take the super regional host teams. And that announcement is coming up uh, next week. Uh, they didn't. They don't say that it's going to be announced on May the tenth, but they say the week of May the tenth. So, you know, they leave themselves a little wiggle room there. But uh, basically, uh, the Ole Miss Vanderbilt series begins next Friday, May fourteenth. So it's uh, May fourteen to, uh, to sixteen, and that's going to be like look that that series, which if Ole Miss could uh, could get. Uh, two out of three there, you think, man, now that would really uh, pump up the resume. But that series is not going to uh, be a factor. It's not going to be counted in the Ole Miss resume based on what we're hearing now. But uh, but you were telling me that's been updated just a little bit. So uh, what, uh, what did you read? Yeah, so I read the other day that they were going to announce the 20, 20 host sites, the potential host sites on the week of May the 10th, and then they would – determine the eight super regionals and 16 regional sites um, from that 20 at a later date after like around the SEC tournament time. But now that I'm looking for it, I can't find it online anywhere. So I could have just made it all up. I'm not sure. Um, but I thought I read that. And if that's the case, then of course, you know, Ole Miss will get a chance to boost that resume. Cause I would imagine Ole Miss is going to be one of the 20 regional host sites announced next week. Um, especially with them being a number number 11 or number 12 in the nation right now and just being having one of the best ballparks in the in the country um and so we'll see there i don't know i might have to look into more of that today and see if i can find something on that because I, I read something about that last week and i don't know where it is now but uh yeah uh i have no idea parish um but we're gonna see because i think if if it's the case that it's going to be announced next week and then determined i think uh State already locked up a national seat unless they get swept this weekend by South Carolina, which I guess is possible, but probably not likely um, because state's ranked number four in the nation right now and uh, is what second place in the SEC, 14 and seven. So they're, they're sitting in a good spot right now. They are in a good spot. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss, uh, look, uh, number nine in the RPI, lots of times RPI is a big factor. Uh, and announcing uh, these seedings, regional host and national seed. But if you only have eight national seeds, nine just kind of puts you right on the edge of that. And if you're just looking at the resume today, and honestly, um, there's not a whole lot Ole Miss can do against Texas A&M to really increase its, res- its resume. Now, they can decrease it. Uh, they could go over there and not play well, and if they lose the series or, or were to get swept – uh, that would really uh, uh, kind of send them the other way in terms of, uh, of resume building. Uh, but a win against uh, A&M, a series win, is not going to really uh, carry a lot of weight right now. But just looking at what you have, a number nine RPI, I think, puts them in the national seed discussion. But it also kind of becomes who have you beaten uh, among the other teams that you're competing with. You didn't win the series against State. You didn't get swept, but you didn't win the series. You won only one game against Arkansas, so you didn't win that series. Uh, the Vanderbilt series, which really could benefit you if you could find a way to win twice, uh, not going to be taken into account. 
So you're looking at, at these other SEC teams that you're competing with for a national seed. You know, I think Tennessee is in the mix as well. Ole Miss and Tennessee don't play. Um, so what what if what if it's Ole Miss and Tennessee, and maybe uh, the committee says we're going to give four, uh, we're going to give four national seeds to the SEC, and uh, maybe Ole Miss and Tennessee are competing for that fourth spot. I think the resumes are, are pretty similar. I think it comes down to an interesting discussion. Do you reward uh, a place that's going to be just uh, bouncing and live with atmosphere? Do you put it in a, an outstanding facility? Uh, do you reward uh, tradition or do you reward uh, an up-and-comer, uh, a program that, that we have seen, that we saw building last year, a program that has continued to rise, do you reward that program? Because I think the resumes are going to be pretty similar in terms of RPI and achievement and that sort of thing. So it could be an interesting conversation if it comes down to uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee for a fourth national seed. Does the committee say, hey, uh, we appreciate uh, what the SEC has accomplished this year. Uh, we're going to give five national seeds. If they expand it like that, I would think that, that Ole Miss would uh, – would be a big part of that. Um, but, you know, I didn't see what you were uh, talking about in terms of how they're going to do the 20. I thought when they picked 20 that they were just going to pick some alternate sites, uh, you know, like they did with basketball. Uh, they had, uh, you know, these teams are in, and, hey, if these guys have COVID issues, then uh, th then you're going to be in the tournament. You know, I thought that's what they were doing. I think what's going on here in terms of the announcement discussion Dalton is uh, there are some internal memos being leaked from this place or that place, but I'm not seeing uh, an NCAA announcement, uh, a clarification about what's really uh, about to happen and how it announces regional hosts and nas national seeds. Yeah. Well, if I guess if I was on this committee or something picking, you know, I would think kind of how you mentioned earlier, it really depends for Ole Miss right now on how, uh, on how many sites they choose from the SEC, et cetera. Um, but I would imagine both, you know, state should be a national seed, host regional and regional, and Ole Miss should at least host a regional if they go somewhere else to uh, do a super regional. Because as good as Ole Miss is, the losing four straight SEC series right in the middle of them trying to build a resume is really going to hurt them, I feel like. When you also look at it, there's the argument that, you know, they won – when they were healthy, they won three games against top ten op opponents in Texas, and then – you know, they, they did win one over Arkan, uh, against Arkansas State, didn't win any against Arkansas. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of arguments you make there. And just with uh, – with I would say be Ole Miss being 100% capacity right now would be a plus. But, like, with NCAA, who knows how they take that into a – in their head, you know, that could be a negative for them because I know they don't want full capacity yet. So, uh, being state and Ole Miss being wide open could could end up hurting them. Who knows? Right now, it just depends on how the NCAA is thinking, I guess. Well, they I think it, they have said that uh, the regionals will be uh, fifty percent attendance. So uh, these ads at state and Ole Miss are going to have to look and say, you know, they're, they're going to have tough decisions. You know, they're going to have tough conversations when they've been uh, wide open most of the season, and then all of a sudden, uh, uh, a lot of folks can't go to a regional because the, the regionals are not going to be wide open. Those are going to be NCAA events and NCAA policies. So there'll be some tough decisions coming there. But uh, yeah, anyway. I think, it, I, think that's pretty, I think it's pretty dumb that uh, 
that they're letting open now and then is not saying anything, you know, of course, I don't know that they can say right now, but, uh, you know, they're not really saying anything. And then I think the SEC baseball tournament is wide open too in Birmingham uh, and then Hoover this year. Really weird for, you know, teams like State and Ole Miss and I guess LSU is wide open now and then maybe Arkansas, I'm not sure. A couple of those, a couple of stadiums that are wide open are all going to go to Hoover and the tournament is going to be wide open then come back the next week and play a regional at 50% capacity. It just really, doesn't really make sense to me. But, uh, you know, that's the NCAA. They don't make sense much often. So, Hey, shifting gears a little bit, basketball. Uh, basketball recruiting is done now. Do, do you think state got better? Uh, high school kids, transfers, uh, it, everything is different now. Did, did they get better? Yeah, they definitely did. Yeah, they you know, pick up DJ Jeffers and Garrison Brooks from North Carolina, both former four-star forwards. Um, really going to help just add some just add some depth to that team because, uh, you know, you get your big three back with Iverson, Molinar, DJ Stewart, and Tolu Smith, of course. Um, you know, DJ and Iverson both averaged 16-ish points a game. Tolu Smith led the SEC in rebounding. But that was it. That's all they had really last year. You know, they uh, had a couple other players like Davon Smith who came in and would handle the ball well and score, you know, five, six points. Derek Fountain scored five, six points. Um but Garrison Brooks and DJ Jeffries come in, and they're they're guys that have averaged double digits over their career. And Brooks has a four year career at North Carolina, so uh, those are two guys that are really going to help add a lot of depth. Just come in here, add scoring options. You know, you know, open up the floor a little bit for other guys to score, and just really take some pressure off of a uh, Irison Molinar and DJ Stewart scoring the ball. So maybe they'll they'll they should get better. I know uh, State did lose Davon Smith, who was a really good point guard. Um, but they're—I don't know if—is they're still looking for a, tra- a, a another guy in the transfer portal. I don't know when the—I don't know if there's a deadline on that or not. I know you just said it was over, but uh, I know they're looking for like a true point guard out of that still. So maybe they'll get that and uh, be a pretty good little team next year. They should be a—if not on the bubble going into the season, they should be pretty, pretty close to it. So this is a team next year that'll have a chance. Uh, to make some noise. Yeah. I like what uh, Kermit Davis was able to uh, get done in recruiting with Ole Miss in his mix of transfers and, uh, and other people there, of course, they, they got Deshaun Ruffin in the early period, uh, uh, the McDonald's all American guard out of Jackson. Uh, he's going to have to make a big impact. You know, this team is losing, you know, they're losing their 15, 17 points a game score, uh, and Devontae Shuler, and I don't immediately see you know, where those points are going to come from. I mean, this time last year, there was a lot of buzz for the graduate transfers uh, in Romello White uh, and Demencio Vaughn, who were both rated highly by the folks that uh, ranked these graduate transfers. They, they were big impact players at previous schools. Now, they got what they needed from Romello White, but uh, – they didn't from Vaughn and uh, a guy who was on the media guide cover at the beginning of the year, wasn't even on the team at the end. You know, he had opted out early. Um, but I, I, I like this class. Uh, I'm going to have to have a big impact from Ruffin, but Jamin Brakefield coming in from Duke, number one, he's not a graduate transfer. So he's just, he's just a transfer. And uh, they could have him for four years. You know, he played as a freshman last year, but everybody got that bonus year. You know, they could come back uh, uh, if, if they wanted to. You, know, you get that extra year eligibility. They could have him for four years. Now, he's not a four-year talent, 
you don't expect that he's going to be in the program for four years. You don't recruit like you're going to have him for four years. But he could be that guy that Kermit Davis has been looking for in the sense of a stretch four. You know, his best Middle Tennessee State teams at the end, they had a guy who could go out and shoot the three and be a matchup problem, a 6'8", 6'9", play on the perimeter, but not settle for three-pointers. I thought he felt like he had that guy in Blake Henson a few years ago. Uh, I thought Blake settled for three-pointers too much, played on the perimeter too much, and and he's still looking for that guy, Kermit is, that uh, stretch four who can shoot the three-pointer but does other things as well, who is not quite so reluctant to drive and uh, put it on the floor, you know, maybe has a mid-range game. I, th- I think uh, Brakefield is going to be more versatile. Still, you know, he was a guy who got in some starts at Duke, you know, kind of kind of rose in the middle of the season, then hit a lull and was passed and his minutes decreased, you know, may have led to his desire to transfer. You know, maybe he didn't think uh, he was used in the right way or, or didn't really like the way his, uh, his freshman year went at Duke. Um, I think he's going to make an impact, but you don't look at him as a gra- – if he had been a graduate transfer, you got a, a much greater body of work. So I think the potential is there and the ability and the talent. But overall, you bring him into the mix. You bring a, a Ty Fagan from Georgia into the mix. An SEC starter, again, you're not seeing that big 16, 17 points a game guy. So does Ole Miss become this roster where you have more guys more often scoring 10 points uh, and you're spreading around the offense like that? You know, or maybe does uh, Jarkel Joyner, who was playing well at the end of the year, does he take a step up? Does he become that uh, 15, 16 a night guy? Uh, going to be uh, interesting questions uh, for the Rebels next year. But I, I do think uh, I think this is going to be a good class, a good mix of high school players and transfers. Interesting to note, Dalton, at least in this class, and this may be a trend, you know, around college basketball. Uh, this Ole Miss class has uh, high school freshmen and it has Division One transfers. There are no junior college transfers in here. That is interesting. Uh, I think what Ole Miss has had uh, some success with junior college transfers in the past couple of years, haven't they? I think uh, I don't remember if the Henson kid was one, but I know you had there was a couple of the last few years that yeah, Henson was not, but uh, yeah, I mean, you go back and you think of a Marshall Henderson, a a Stefan Moody. I mean, uh, you know, there, there are so many who have come from the two-year level. Uh, maybe they were, uh, you know, Division One signees before, as Hadim C was. You know, he was a junior college kid. Uh, he could be coming back. You know, he opted out at the end of last season. But if he comes back, I think it could really, uh, you know, give Ole Miss uh, some options and some depth there at the five. You know, they signed the Miami transfer, Nasir Brooks, who started his career at, at Cincinnati. But you know, he's a seven-footer that will come in, I think, and, and play like Abdul Adu did for State and just be physical and block some shots and rebound. Not, ne- not necessarily a big scorer, but, again, another interesting piece. I think this is kind of – while this class uh, for Kermit Davis right now isn't getting the discussion and the attention and the retweets uh, that you got with uh, a couple of high-profile grad transfers last year, I think this this class could be kind of sneaky good and and really uh, help the rebels. 
what I've learned on the MSU beat is me and you are not two guys that are going to uh, sugarcoat it or, you know, talk up some, something that's super positive when it's not. And so, uh, you know, for both of us to be saying that, you know, that we're, we're excited for this the upcoming classes or the upcoming teams that they have a chance to be good. I think that really means that they have a chance to be good. And I think there's a real possibility that both state and Ole Miss one, the rivalry is going to get better if they're both better teams. Um, but there's a chance that both of them are going to be in the NCAA tournament next year and going forward in the future. And, you know, that that's just going to make basketball Mississippi just that much better, that much, that much more fun to watch, uh, to cover, to enjoy. And so I think that's, I think it's going to be good for the program programs if they continue to recruit and get these, these guys. Cause uh, you know, you think of the Mississippi state signing class from high school is not quite as good as uh, Ole Miss's with, you know, Deshaun Ruffin in there, but there's got a couple of guards in there that are pretty solid. Um, Alden Applewhite's in there. He's pretty good. He can play, you know, the guard or forward position and stuff, and stuff like that. And um, I think Cam Carter was a guard in there. That's, that's pretty solid. So there's a couple of guys from the, the high school level that are solid, but of course the two big ones are DJ Jeffries and uh, Garrison Brooks. Cause Jeffries, you know, he's a, he's played two years and he's kind of like a junior college transfer, but you know, he came from Memphis. Uh, he's been there for two years. And then, Garrison Brooks, of course, has been in North Carolina for four years. But, you know, those, those are two big pickups that are really going to help stretch the floor. I think kind of state, like you had mentioned with Ole Miss, could be one of those teams that doesn't have too many 17-point scores, but has a couple of, you know, 10 to 12-point scores and really is a lot more evenly balanced. But uh, we're going to see. I'm excited for the, the whole state of Mississippi to get better at basketball because uh, basketball is a fun sport to watch, and uh, it, it sucks when these teams are not good. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.